Our scripture reading today is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. And today we begin our new sermon series entitled, Why Church? And today we will be learning about Christ, the head of the church. (coughs) This is the word of God. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Before we begin, just once again, just say hello to the people who are around you. Just look at them, make eye contact, eye contact is okay, and just say, hey, how are you? God bless. I'm excited about this series because this series about church is the reason why I became a pastor in many ways. I could have been perhaps a professor. I could have perhaps worked at university or some college ministry and continued to work there. But I realize as I continue to study scripture, I continue to grow in my faith, uh, that the church is the place where God's blessings reside. And the church is the place where the highest spiritual battle takes place as well. When I would speak to young men who are looking to go into ministry, and they would ask me for counsel about why it's difficult to be a pastor. And I would say to them very succinctly, there are two institutions where the evil one attacks vehemently because the evil one understands if they can, if he can collapse these two institutions, then the testimony of Christ will crumble before the world. The first is marriage. That if the devil can get into Christian marriages and destroy them, that the world will look upon it and say, see, you are no different than us. Why do I need Christ if God can't even save your marriage? The second place, though, is the church, I told him. That when you go into ministry, the evil one knows that's the ministry the church where God gathers his gifts in order to share the gospel to the ends of the world. The church is a place where people will grow and mature, 
the church is the seat where his graces are seen and heightened the most. And because Satan knows that, Satan will attack vehemently the church. And it's so incumbent upon you and I to understand that when we gather here together, there's great grace and there's great glory in seeing Christ amongst us. But we also have to realize that this is where the battle is the hottest. And the reason why many become, people become a pastor, there's many reasons, but for myself personally, it's like this is where the battle is the hottest. I want to be that grunt who goes into the midst and sees all the battles and gets all those scars, right? And in fact, all of us, not just me, that when you're called to Christ, you're called to love the church and you're called to a fierce battle to make Christ's name. This is one of the reasons why it's difficult for a lot of Christians to even join a church or be part of the church. Because the battle is fiercest here. And in fact, we see in the Old Testament that even the people of God did not want to follow God according to God's plan or God's purposes. God had formed this wonderful kingdom called Israel. And God told the Israelites, listen, I'm not going to give you a king. I will be your king. You'll have priests and you'll have prophets. But there'll be no king to rule over you because the world will see that I am the king. Now for a lot of people, they were like, this doesn't make sense. Look at all the other nations around us. They all have a king that they can look up to. A king that they can follow. A king whose voice that they can hear. A king whose mandates they can understand. And the people of Israel were confused. This is the book of Judges. They were confused. How do we follow a king that we cannot see? How do we become a people of God and witness to the world when the world looks upon us and says, your kingdom is strange. We have gods too, but we have a king that we follow. Your God says, you don't need a king? And so what happens? They want to be like the other nations. And they started to say, listen, we, we know better how to, to rule this nation of Israel. And at the end of Judges, it simply said, everyone did what they saw fit. In other words, there was chaos because no one wanted to follow the rule of God. No one wanted the king that God wanted himself to be. They did not agree with or even disdain the idea of God's, of his idea of kingdom, of government, of community. They sought to do what they thought was right. This is happening in our time and day today. Churches have been weakened all across 
the U.S. Because more and more people are seeing church not as a place where God rules, but as a place where God's rules of community, of government, of presence doesn't make sense to them. They want to be like the world. We want to be like the world. We want church according to our own ideas of what spiritual health looks like. We want church according to our own ideas of what community should do for me. We want to make church into our own image instead of what God has designed to do. We're no, no different from the Israelites in the book of Judges. Church has become a place to consume, not a place to battle, not a place to honor Christ, not a place to grow in our admiration for our King. But God was gentle to the Israelites. And this is the amazing thing. We know, if you, if you read your, if, if, if we know our Bible and we know the story, God eventually relents and gives them a king, King Saul. And then if you grew up at church, you'll hear these great stories about King David and King Solomon. And, and, you'll, and you'll hear later on about how later on the kings get bad. But, but in, in general, you're thinking that God had always intended Israel to have a king. But that wasn't so. God, by his grace and by his mercy, allowed the nations to have kings. But God didn't set them up and say simply, I'm going to set you up so that you fail in one generation. <laughs> That's what I would have done. That's what you have done, right? You think you can do better? Here, try it. Set you up. Two hours later, come back and I'll see. And then we'll talk about why it didn't work. God was with David. God was with Solomon. God was even with Saul. God was with many of these kings. God's with, with Josiah when they had the renewal of the covenant. God was with these kings. God didn't want to see them fail, but God knew they would fail. God's grace was still upon them. But the perfection of the grace and the purpose of the grace would never be fulfilled by any of these kings. When I look at the church today, I see the church as a place where many people hear the gospel. Praise be to God. And perhaps you're sitting here and, and you raise your hand and someone said, do you believe in Jesus as your Savior? You raise your hand and you say, yes, I do believe in Jesus as my Savior. And then the follow-up question would be, where do you go to church? Why do you go to church? What's the purpose of church? And you don't have any notion of why. You do because you do. When people ask you advice of how do I find a church, when people would give you sort of a, a list of things, you, you're trying to figure out whether these things make sense or not. Is this what I should be looking for when I look for a church? For myself, who's a member of CCPC, what does it mean to continue to be a member of this church? 
and there's confusion. But God, by his grace and mercy, and I say this with um, thankfulness to the Lord, gives you in your heart a knowledge that you belong to him. But God does something interesting in the Old Testament. All the kings eventually fail. And one rises up. It's Christ. It's Jesus. God has fulfilled what he said in the Old Testament. I will be your king. Jesus is your king. No, Jesus does not stand before you like perhaps the president of this nation. You don't see him in flesh and blood at this moment. But you know and you recognize that he is king. What God had intended has come true. And for us today as his people, if we do have a king who is on, on the throne of God, the question then is, is, how has the king designed his people to gather together, to work together, to fellowship together? Are we still supposed to be like the Israelites and judges, everyone doing as they see fit? Everyone trying to figure out what God wants for me in my faith? Or is there a grander design where we be all fit together to work for his glory as we as individuals seek to understand our relationship with him within the context of our relationship with one another? And the answer to that is yes. God has given us the church God, as a great architect, has orchestrated this place together. And we are here to worship him, to honor him, and to follow him. Point number one. God himself, or Jesus himself, has established the church through his death and resurrection. Jesus has established the church through his death and resurrection. You see, the purpose of the church is not simply a social gathering place. The, the purpose of the church is God calling his people through his death and through his resurrection to secure salvation for brothers and sisters, for us here together. It is his death and his resurrection that allows us to be called to sit here and to listen and to hear his voice. John chapter 10 talks about the fact that Jesus is the great shepherd who, who loves his people and gathers his people. That his sheep hear his voice. And when we hear his voice, we come to him. Others may not hear him, but we hear him. 
And we know that this great shepherd has secured our salvation and given us everlasting life. So we come to him. First and foremost, the church is a, is a gathering of people who have heard God's voice and want to gather together to acknowledge him and to worship him. You see, in our service, the reason why we start with a call to worship is because you are not going to worship. You're not going to church. You're not going to an event. You're not going to hear some preacher preach. You're being called by God to come to worship. You don't call God. God calls you. You don't go when you feel like it. You come because your king asks you to come. And there's a difference. We are not the center of the church. God is the center. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the center of the church. We come because he tells us to come. Because he secured our salvation. So some of you who are parents and many parents out there, when your child gets of age where they can hear your voice, and you tell your child, come. And your child hears your voice, but your child just says, I don't want to come. Come. I'm too tired. Come. I'm too, I'm too busy. I gotta, I've got to finish this YouTube video. Come. It's dinner time. I'm not hungry right now. Your reaction should be as a parent, I called you. You come. I'm calling you. You come and eat. You come and rest. You come and have fellowship with me. You come. When God calls us to worship, we're not going just because, oh, I guess I can, I guess I have a few minutes. I guess I can fit that in my schedule. But God calls his elect, his people, because he saved them. And when he says, come and worship, we come. And that's what it means that God calls us and continues to call us to come. You belong to him. And Jesus is the reason why we're here. It's not because of me, I hope. Please don't say it's because of me because it's too, way too much of a burden that any person can handle. Don't say it's because of the fellowship here because this fellowship will here and there disappoint you. <laughs> but come because Jesus has called you to come. And because you know that Jesus is being magnified here. He has secured our salvation. He has called this church into being through his death and resurrection, through his own blood. That is the only reason why we're here. Second, Jesus sustains the church. 
And this is why he's the head. He's, he's the one who sustains the church. He's at the right hand of God right now. All power and dominion belongs to him. All things work together for the good of the church. All things. The reason why this church sustains itself is not because of the finances we have. It's not even because of the people we have. God can make a rock cry out. Praise the Lord. He doesn't need us. God can make a donkey prophesy. He doesn't need us. But God sustains this church by and through what? His own power. It is Jesus who sustains this church. When, God, when Jesus put at the right hand of God and has been given all dominion over all things, he's been given dominion over this church as well. And he's the one who sustains this body of Christ. And it's to him that we look to to continue to sustain this body of Christ. In our prayers, in our desire to see one another grow closer to the Lord, in our repentance, in our trust in him. It is Jesus who sustains all things. He's the head of this church. It's not me. It's not me. Thirdly and lastly, all things are for his glory and his glory alone. The purpose of the church is to bring glory to Christ himself. Not to anyone else. Not to anything else. I want you to think about this way. For those of you who are members of this church, but also for those of you who are looking for a church. When you go to a church and you Enjoy, went to the worship service. Perhaps you went through some Bible studies, some community groups. Um, and perhaps you're just getting to know some people as well. Now, no church is perfect. You must leave that church not thinking, what a great ministry. You must not leave that church simply thinking, what great music. I felt God's presence. Neither are you to leave thinking, what a great message, what a great sermon. But you must leave a church with the thought in your head and the conviction of your heart. What a great Savior we have. What a great Jesus we worship. What a great Lord who forgives sins. What a great King we serve. What a great Head who 
replenishes us, the church, the body of Christ. What love of Jesus resides here in our midst. To be able to leave a time of worship on Sunday. And this is, this is my prayer all the time. This needs to be your prayer before you come here and your prayer when you leave. Is that you leave not thinking, well, that's a good service. That wasn't a good service. That was a good sermon, not a good sermon. That was, that was a good conversation with someone. Oh, my God. I had a really bad conversation with someone. You need to pray that you can leave whatever circumstances, whatever may happen to leave with a heart that says, what a great Savior. What a great Jesus. That he loves this church so much. That he loves us so much. We bring glory to God and glory to Jesus when we do so. This church, like any other church, will be judged by our faithfulness to him. Myself here as, as your pastor, I am not here to say my own words. I'm here to say what scripture and what I believe my king wants me to say to you. I'm accountable to my king. We're all accountable to our king. Why church? This is where Jesus has decided to put his grace to put his presence that we as God's people may be fed, encouraged that we as God's people may battle hard for one another that we as God's people may go refreshed to serve a world that needs to hear the good news of Christ the name of our church, Christ Covenant Presbyterian Church, it's a mouthful. That name is more descriptive than anything else. It's descriptive of who you are, of who we are. It's descriptive of what we believe God is doing and what Jesus is doing in establishing this church. We are Christ-centered. We want to see Jesus and Jesus, Jesus alone magnified. So for those of you who are members here already, I encourage you once again, remember why you're here. And I will remind you every day for the rest of our lives because, in fact, that's, that's a primary role of the church in many ways is to, to, to for us to... Um, over and over again, reconnect with the gospel. Over and over again. For those of you who are looking for a church, there are many out there. 
we don't purport to do anything else. We try to do other things well. That's up to you, you to decide whether we do things well or not. But I will say this. We care more, and from this pulpit, I care more about you and your love for Christ and your ability to show that love to one another more than anything else. We must endeavor to be the church that God has called us to be. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, you have established your church for the sake of your grace and the sake of your glory. We have forgotten, Lord, that you are the king of this church, not, not any of us, Lord God, not any of us. And Lord, we know the evil one is lurking, trying to make us forget that church is all about you. We've all fallen prey to it, every one of us, Lord God. We've been overly critical of the church, overly critical of others, and yes, even overly critical of ourselves. But we forget that this church is not sustained by people. It's sustained by you. You are the one who pours out the riches of salvation to us and calls us to worship as broken people. And you are the one who gives gifts to your church that we may do the works of worship and the works of service together for your glory. All things, Lord, belong to you, especially your church, which is your body. We thank you, Lord, that you nourish us. We thank you, Lord, that you exercise our gifts. And we thank you that you are also God who gives rest to us. So I pray and we pray that during our times of worship, during our times of gathering, that we would always leave with a sense that you, Jesus, are great. We praise you. And in your name we ask these things. Amen.